Ooh, a step of the... Today we're in Acts 20, and I'm going to start with, we'll just start with the first verse. <clears throat> and um, so you have to understand that Luke is the one writing the story, so he's, he's the one telling the story. This is kind of like volume two of the Gospel of Luke. So he's writing on behalf of Paul, and he's telling some stories to um some of the things that have he's they've gone through on their journeys. Luke is kind of like um, the John Watson to Paul's um, Sherlock Holmes, that kind of a th- the thing. Uh, Luke is a physician. He's also sort of a, a uh, what do you call those chronologists or whatever those those people who are not necessarily biographer, uh, but somebody who is kind of going along and and writing about the journeys, the things that are happening in the moment. And um, anyway, that's what Luke is. And so Luke is writing all these things. He's talking about, he, he, he had finished the first volume, which was the Gospel of Luke. And he's, he's talking about this. This is the, sort of the second volume to Theopolis, who is um, this person in charge. And who he's pleading to Theopolis on behalf of Paul. And so he's talking about these journeys. And so many things have been happening in these journeys. And and. So we're kind of entering midway in through the the journey that um, Luke is talking about. And it says, after the uproar had ceased, so you'd have to go back to 19 to, to read about the uproar, Paul sent for the disciples, and when he had uh, exhorted them and taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia. When he had gone through those districts and had given them much exhortation, he came to Greece, and there he spent three months. And when a plot was formed against him by the Jews, as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And he was accompanied by Sopater of Berea, the son of Pyrrhus, and by Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and Tychicus, Tychicus and uh, Trophimus of Asia. But these had gone on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. We sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came to them at Troas within five days, and there we stayed seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight, which, by the way, is super crazy. Like, I don't know, even as a, as a, as a teacher, or I mean, I consider myself more of a teacher than a preacher. So even as somebody who's teaching, like going till midnight, I mean, he had to have something really heavy on his heart. So going to midnight, there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered together, and there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep. Now, understand that they didn't have, you know, glass in their windows back then. So, you know, like, Pillow wasn't a thing, right? I mean, it was all open. And it says, um, As Paul kept on talking, he was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. So here we go. We have this guy who is listening to Paul, who is talking, and, and Paul has this pretty heavy message on his heart that seems to go on into the night. And um, this 
this young man, Eutychus, he falls asleep, and he falls into a deeper sleep. Paul, this is like the first recording of of somebody falling asleep during a message, and um, which you know, not, that doesn't happen in in our church or anything, but um, so. Paul puts him to sleep, I guess, with with the soothing sounds of his voice. Um, and this guy falls out of the window dead. And you think, okay, well, what does this have to do with anything like modern day times? How are you going to really wrap this into modern day times here? Um, and the, the, the point of the message is the idea that we need to wake up. So I think so many of us as believers are still asleep. We've we've taken the milk, right? We, we always talk about the milk and instead of the, the heavy foods, the meats and the potatoes and the veggies and all that stuff, whatever, metaphorically speaking, of course, we just like the milk, the warm milk that soothes us. Well, the things that our ears want to hear, the, the, you know, all that stuff that, that we just want to hear on a given Sunday morning, just kind of it gives us that peace and comfort and all of that, and then we take that through us through the week with us, and then until we're coming back and then hearing that same old message on a Sunday again, and that message of love, and there's th- that message of love is true and amazing and pure, and but there is such a thing as the depth of that love, and the depth of that love isn't always pretty, and it isn't always, you know, soft and lull and and all of those things that that we want to make it out to be. It's not. There's so much of a journey in the love of God. There's so much of a journey in the relationship of God. But we call that the milk. You know, the the it's the easy stuff to take in. It's the it's the easy message to take in. It's the things that we want to hear. So we take the milk and it's like we fall asleep. And I think as believers we are so much asleep by the words that are given to us. If we're not careful, we're not and and some of that is on a preacher. And some of that's just on a believer. Um, we don't want to hear the hard stuff. And so uh, we find ourselves asleep. We find ourselves asleep. And it's time to wake up. The The goal is we need to wake up. We need to wake up to the reality that is. We need to, we, we need to wake up to uh, truth. We need to wake up to understanding. We need to wake up to this journey that God has us on. We're here for a time and a purpose Esther four fourteen, you know, perhaps you were you were born for such a time as this. So, if we were born for such a time as this, as the world continues on in its pattern, uh, we have to exist and live and operate in in truth and understanding the way that God sees it, the way that it's the way that's really true. And listen, if you're not a believer, you're who are you to tell us what's truth, right? Uh, or who is this God to tell us what is truth? But the fact is, the Bible is so uh, reliable, and and you can see that. You want to know why things are going on in Israel today uh, and prophecies being fulfilled in Israel today? It's so that God can show you how reliable His Word is. It doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't have to look, uh, you know, nice and soft and amazing and and, you know, that milk that we take in. It doesn't have to look like that. Uh, God is fulfilling His Word, and, and when He fulfills His Word, it doesn't necessarily mean peace. There's sometimes that journey, there's that war, there's that warfare that you have to get through in order for His Word to be completed and, and to be fulfilled. It's the same across 
the many nations, and it's the same in our personal lives. That if if the Lord has promised something, or if the Lord has said something is going to come to pass, then you have to know that there's going to be a spiritual battle. There's going to be a spiritual warfare, which brings me to this whole message. So I was contemplating this whole thing. Like if I was if I was an enemy of the Lord, if I was Satan, and thank God I'm not. Um, I, I, knowing all that, that Satan has done, or, or at least in my own life, and in the lives of those whom I love and 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 um, cherish, and those people that I call friends, those people I call family, seeing what Satan has done in my life and theirs, I don't know, if I were Satan, I don't know, I, I, I can't find a way that I would live with myself. But if I were Satan, I guess it wouldn't matter because it wouldn't, I have an assignment, and I'm going to do that assignment. Uh, but if I were Satan, um, and I wanted to, if I were the enemy of the Lord, like, what would my game plan be? So God creates the heavens and the earth, and He creates people to be in this earth, and He creates them. So I have to understand why He created the heavens and the earth, number one. But I also have to understand why He created these inhabitants of the earth. What's that for? And when I realized that it's for his own glory and for a relationship with him, right? So he created us not only to subdue the earth, to to um, rule the earth and rule over the birds and the fish and the animals and the plants, you know, to to have a responsibility to them and all those those amazing things. He not only created us for that, but he created us to be in a relationship with him because he is the creator. So when there is an active living, breathing relationship between the Creator and the created. Um, It's a bond that can't easily be broken. And so if I were the enemy of the Lord, what would I try to do? How would I try to get back at God? And what I would try to do most is I would try to take what He has created and somehow destroy it. Or I would... I would drive a wedge between the Creator and the created so that it can be destroyed. And then... What I would want to do is I would want to prove myself to be God, and so I would I would I would manipulate people's minds to say you can be whoever you want to be, and and we'll recreate you, and then it's going to cause confusion. It's going to cause mass confusion because really they were created by God, but if I can get them to recreate themselves in a in their own way, it will cause confusion, right? And so when confusion happens. Then what I would do as the enemy, I would come into the camp where the confusion is. I would come into the camp, and I would set it straight myself. Like, I would be their rescuer. I would be their God. I would be the one who who they look to. Who, somebody who's tangible, because right now, uh, and, and Jesus said, that blessed, blessed are those who don't see, yet they still believe. But right now, God doesn't necessarily seem, if you're not really seeking Him out, God doesn't seem like he's a tangible thing. He seems like this guy who's way he's he's way outside of the universe. He kind of overlooks things and he's just up there on his throne going, "Well, I'm taking my hand off of this and so I'm going to just watch what happens. Let's just see what happens." You know. And yet people want you know, he wants me to trust in him. Right? I mean, what kind of god is that who sits back and goes, "I'm going to take my hand off of this?" And they're not going to be able to find me. 
in in their daily lives, and uh, but I'm going to require that they put their trust in me and believe in me. But I'm not going to reveal myself at all. Right? What kind of God would that be? But yeah, he does reveal himself. For those who seek after him and seek after him with all their heart, he does reveal himself. He says that. He promises that. And, and I can vouch for the fact, not that he needs me to defend him, but I can vouch for him to say, yes, uh, this is true, that when you seek God and you seek after him with all your heart, he does reveal himself. There are many things and many miracles and, and stuff that I can't explain. Um and science and in you know physics and all that stuff that it can't explain it either. Uh, it's something very spiritual, and, and so there is something very spiritual out there. So, with that in mind, but if I were the enemy of the Lord, I would drive a wedge between the Creator and the created, and in fact, to the point that I would get them to say, "Well, really, there probably isn't such a thing as God, and we really weren't created by anybody, so we can be whoever we want to be." And then, again, it would cause this mass confusion because, um, you know, we, we, I don't know about you, but I may think I know what I'm supposed to be, and then uh, time evolves, my life evolves, and different things happen, and who I thought I wanted to be, I'm not that person anymore. Like, when I was growing up, for example, uh, after I learned how to play piano, uh, let, me, let me just go down that rabbit hole for a minute. And, and share this with you. So I was about 12 or 13 when I started to learn piano, and, and I started to learn notes. So I was playing things. What got me sparked on it was um, taking band. Like, I, I've always loved music. Growing up, always, always loved music. Always loved listening to the radio. Always loved, um, you know, I could... I grew up watching MTV when MTV was all about music videos. There wasn't, you know, all the extra stuff on there. It was all about music videos. And I could tell you all of the the artists. I could tell you all the songs, the, the top 40 hits, you know, all this stuff. And who, what song it was, the title, who sang it. There was probably a time that I could tell you what year it came out. But I loved watching music videos. And I love music. I love listening to music. I love the radio Um all that stuff. So by the time I'm 12, I want to get into fifth grade or sixth, fifth grade, yeah, fifth grade band. I wanted to play the saxophone, ended up having to play the trombone. But um, through that, like I started to understand notation. I started to understand the notes. And so what I would do is I would sit down, we had an, an organ in our house, and I would sit down at that organ and I would play things by ear and learn things by ear, like song melodies. Uh, and I would, and then finally, my grandpa, my mom's dad, taught me where the notes were on the piano. And I, so I started to understand, okay, this is A, this is B, this is B flat, this is C. And, and I understand I don't like the black keys as much as I like the white keys. And if you're in music, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, sharps and flats, not my friends. Uh, you know, I but I, you start to... to uh, learn all of that stuff. And then this is this was the kicker. So what what really got me into piano then, playing piano, playing chords and stuff on a piano was a girl, right? It's it's always trying to impress somebody that gets you into something. So here I am, I am learning the piano and and I had this girl who I just I had a huge crush on at the time and she wanted me to learn how to play 
chords on a piano, like guitar chords on a piano. And I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, how do you play guitar chords, which is meant for guitar, how do you play that on a piano? And so they taught me, and I'm just thinking, a part of me is thinking, well, if you know how to do it, then you do it. But then the other part of me is thinking, well, but if I can impress this girl, like, I'm in, right? So that's the reason I I have her to thank for my piano playing. And that was what spurred it on. Well, so there came a point then where I'm like, I really like doing this. And then finally, I can play and sing at the same time. Wow, even better. Um, which that was a journey all itself too. But now I can play and sing at the same time. I look like Billy Joel or Elton John or... Um, you know, name some of those guys. Not a lot of guy piano players who play and sing. But growing up, you know, you look for those people. You go, I could be like them. And then in my mind growing up, I want to go, I want to be a rock star. Like I want to be a musician, a famous musician. Goes out, writes his own stuff. I started writing my own stuff in high school. Start writing stuff and 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 um, like I could be this famous musician. Um, but that time changed. Like I, I got to a point down the road, my life evolved, and it's like, I don't, I don't want to be that anymore. I don't, that's a pipe dream for me, because I, I don't. It's not an unobtainable dream. It's not that it was like, oh, it's so unobtainable, and I can't grab a hold of it now. It was more like, no, I just my life has changed. My life has evolved. I really just don't want to be that anymore. I, I, I can use that and have fun with it, but I also really love to paint. Like, I love painting portraits, uh, and I love creating, like, I have things in my head, um, people, you know, things that I see in my mind. I, I don't go by a, a picture of somebody. I just paint whatever's in my mind, and it comes out on a portrait. Like, I love painting portraits. So I could be an artist, a famous artist. Well, they don't make money till after they're dead, so that ain't going to work for me. Here's the other funny part. So my parents always said, you really ought to have a a plan B growing up. Like, you know, you want to be this famous musician. You really had a plan B growing up because um, you really don't want to spend the rest of your life flipping burgers. You know what I'm saying? And yet here I am at 40 years old. Uh, I am in ministry and on occasion, what do I do? I go down to the, to the ice cream place, the dairy bar um, where the thing that my dad runs and I flip burgers. Like, and because they asked for my help, and not that that's a bad thing, I gladly give it, but it's funny. Uh, the thing that they said, you really ought to have a plan B because you don't want to be doing this the rest of your life. That's the very thing they're asking help for me to do. Um, so, and we joke about that from time to time. But the point is this, even in that, life evolves and you never know what life is going to bring you. You never know what elements are going to come into your life. So, for for the enemy of the Lord to come in and go, I we're going to drive a wedge between the created and the creator, and we are going to cause these the created to think, well, there really is no creator, and I can evolve and be and become whoever it is I want to become. Problem is, is my life is always changing, and I don't even know who I want to be. I know who I want to be right now, but in the future, I don't know who I want to be. So it's going to eventually cause confusion, you know. And let's remove. Let's remove morality and and 
and everything else from this conversation for just a moment. And let's just say, you know, maybe down the road, what if I wanted to become a girl? Well, I could I could go through all that and become a girl and then think, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have done that because now my life has changed and I'm like, I'd rather be a guy. So I say all that not because I'm I'm knocking people who have gone through that, who have that mindset. I'm not. I'm not out there to say that. But what I'm saying is, is I I can't handle my own evolution enough to to become who it is I want to be. What I want to do now is I need to I need to have somebody who knows who knows from beginning to end. The Bible says all the days ordained for me were written in the book before one of them came to be. So if that's true, then I need to know my plan and purpose going forward. And and not that I have to have the whole story laid out in front of me right now, and then I live live it out. And that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is I need to entrust that somebody higher has my life in their hands that can lead me to and become who I need to be. But if I'm the enemy of the Lord, I don't want that person to do that because it's going to cause confusion. And then when the confusion hits the camp, then I can come in and rescue them and say, okay, let's do things my way now. Now, here I am, I'm a tangible person, and I'm coming in, and I'm going to rescue. I'm going to be your Messiah. And when I'm your Messiah, then I'll have you follow things my way. I'll even show you false signs and wonders. I mean, excuse me, signs and wonders. Uh, You won't know that they're false. But I will show you signs and wonders. You'll believe me, and everything will be okay. We'll be one together. And then the created is completely separated from its creator. And I, as the enemy, will have won. That's what I see happening in today's society. And so what happens? We go all the way back to the garden. And it seems like everything goes either back to the garden or back to the days of Noah. But back to the garden, the serpent enters the garden. And his first thought was, so you're telling me that God tells you you can't eat of any fruit from this tree? And she goes, well, yeah, we can. We just can't eat from that fruit of that tree over there. And then he goes, well, why can't you eat that fruit from that tree? You can eat everything else. Well, we'll die. But you're not going to die if you eat this fruit over here. Now, see, that's just that fruit's the same. It's just that God doesn't want you to eat that because he doesn't want you to be like him. Now, I've driven... You know, if I was the serpent, then I've driven trust, a, a trust issue in between um, the created and the creator. So I eat the fruit and I sin and then I realize my mistake. So what do I do? Instead of repenting and going to God, I run and hide because I realize now that I'm evil. I've done wrong and now I've lost the glory. And because I've lost the glory, uh, I've lost that direct access to God. Now he's still there. But I've lost that, the ability to walk and talk with him in the garden. He's a perfect God, and I am now an imperfect human being. And now everything that comes after me will be imperfect, just as the enemy wanted. Just as the enemy wanted. And if that wasn't enough, the Bible says in Genesis 6 that there were uh, sons of God, meaning we we take that to mean angels who came down it says they came down and they took for themselves wives out of the daughters of man out of the daughters of men 
So they took human daughters, these spiritual beings took human daughters. I don't know how, don't ask me to explain it because I'm still trying to fathom this one. But these spiritual beings come down and they took human women as their wives. They had their way with them. And what happened? They created this alternate, alternate being with alternate DNA patterns, everything. This is an evil act because God saw it and he knew it. In fact, his word says they can't, you know, they're not supposed to. If you're uh, heavenly beings are not supposed to intermingle like that with human beings, there's not marriage and there's not sex like that. And but yet here we are. Why did that happen? Because Satan somehow got into their minds, into their hearts, and they said for themselves, we will create our own. It's an alternate DNA pattern from what God had had planned, from what God had uh, determined. It's an alternate DNA pattern. Why? Because somebody else wants to be God. And so that's what the enemy does. He tries to get us to realize or to understand that we are not created by God. Well, yes, we are created by God, and we need to wake up to those patterns. And if we're created by God, then we are. And I and I brought this up on Sunday morning, and and again, I'll bring it up now. Um, and it will probably wig some people out listening to this. Um, and you can write to me or whatever. You can, you know, really, you don't have to agree with it, but please just hear me out. Um. Because it's it's a hard pill to swallow and it's hard to really comprehend. But it's really there is no such thing as multiple human races. There's only one race, and that's the human race. Now we have different nationalities, different ethnicities, different, you know, cultures and different religions, all of that which we use to define what race is. But race really is a it's a, a DNA pattern, and the human race itself has its own DNA pattern. Now, you'll find different from family to family. You'll find different hereditary traits. You'll find different DNA traits, that, uh, different, you know, different um, alterations within the pattern. But generally speaking, you know, you have X and Y chromosome. I could get into the whole physics of this, but, you know, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. You have X and Y chromosomes. And that's which make up your DNA pattern. And so you become your one race, right? And you have all these intricate things about you and all that. So, you know, tendencies and all that. Those are the things that it doesn't matter that they're different. We still are one human race. And I can go back. This is where I can go back to the days of Noah. And even before that, I could go back to the garden if you wanted. But I can still go back to the days of Noah, which everybody, by the way, and it doesn't matter if you're a Christian, if you're a Jew, if you're a Buddhist, if you're a Hindu, if you're an ancient Phoenician religion, Mesopotamian religion, everybody agrees that there was a great flood back then and that a family came through it. So with that in mind, you have Noah and his sons and their wives and their grandchildren and all that. They start a new life and land is divided out. Ham, Shem, and Japheth, all are sons of Noah, and they all spread, go their ways to get their land. Well, guess what? Ham, uh, when you think about Ham today, the descendants of Ham are Egyptians. The descendants of Shem are Jewish people and really by nature Arab people who come from Ishmael because Abraham was the in the lineage of Shem. And so Ishmael is in the lineage of Shem and Ham, by the way. So now it's a new 
sort of new ethnicity of people, still one race, but it all goes back to one family. It's one race. So I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what country you're from. I don't care. Like when I was growing up uh, and, and I was real little, um, I remember this kid that, and I lived in Indiana at the time, but I remember this kid that used to come out. He would play with, he was a teenage kid. He'd come out and play basketball or whatever. And he'd let us go inside the house and he'd have um, popsicles that we would all eat during the summer. Um, it was only as I grew up, and became more like teenager that those years that I realized that kid was black. He was a black kid. I was friends with a black kid. You know? And even today, when I, I have certain friends, believe it or not, I have friends. Uh, I have friends who are either from a different country or they're a different color um, as far as their skin. I don't recognize that. When, that. when I'm talking to them, they are my friends. I recognize them as another person, another human being in the human race, and they are a person. And they mean so much to me because they're my friend, uh, which probably makes them, maybe maybe they are a different race. I mean, if anybody could be my friend, maybe they are a different race. I don't know. You know maybe they are alien. Maybe, yeah, who knows? That's a joke. Anyway, but the human race, where you know, it doesn't matter who they were. Like they are my friends, and when I talk to them, I don't think about them being from whatever country they're from, or whatever color of skin they are. Unless we're talking to my friend from Canada, and then she starts saying things like a boot, then I know, like I'm talking to a Canadian. But all in all, I just I realize that we're we're all one. We're all one race. We might not. We might have some prejudice uh, against. You know, there might be some people that have prejudice against another ethnicity or whatever. But stop making things up that aren't true. We are all one race, and when we start to realize that we are all all created by God, and that He has a plan and a purpose for our lives, it doesn't matter where you're from, what color your skin is. That all of us have a purpose. You know, then we take that wedge out between the created and the creator because all he has ever wanted, again, doesn't matter what nationality, ethnicity, color, whatever, all he has ever wanted is a relationship with his creation. That is what we are called to be in, is a relationship with him. And if we're not waking up to that, then we're waking up to a false reality and we're going to fall to our death. And that is the whole point of this story of Eutychus. We're falling asleep to the real message, and we're falling to our death. But here's the good part. I'll, I stopped at verse 10 uh, in, in chapter 20. But here's the good part, is that no matter how far you have fallen, that God can pick you back up. No matter how far you've fallen, God can pick you right back up from where you are. It says this in verse 10, Paul went down, fell upon him, Eutychus, And after embracing him, he said, Do not be troubled, for his life is in him. When he had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with them a long while until daybreak and then left. They took away the boy alive and were greatly comforted. There it is. You guys, we... It doesn't matter where you are, how far you've fallen. Even if you've fallen unto death, God can bring you back. 
God can bring you back. Even if you think there's, it's, it's no more. It can't be anymore. There's no more that can happen. It's dead. You know, the promise of God is dead. The, I, I don't, uh, the word of God is dead. It's not going to happen because I, now I've reached this, this final point. I've hit rock bottom. It's not going to happen. He can't bring me back. Yes, he can. He can bring you back from wherever you are. That is who God is. That's how strong God's love is. And that is how God, if God is the creator of all things, he knows all things. He knows where all things are. Then it doesn't matter if I make my, my um, if I climb up to the heavens or if I make my bed in the depths or if I rise on the wings of the dawn or settle on the far side of the sea, his hand is going to be right there to guide me. If I say, uh, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to him for the night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to him. Wherever I am, he will find me. Wherever I am, doesn't matter how far I've fallen, wherever I am, he will find me. I love it. We, we've done, if you've ever listened to the verses of the week, we've done one where uh, he talks about him leaving the 99 to go after the one. He'll do that. He'll go out. He'll he'll leave the 99 uh, up on the mountain to go after and chase after that one sheep that has fallen. Why? Because he loves you. He loves me. He loves us. And that's what that's about. And and he's from day one, he's wanted that relationship with him. So I'm, I'm going to tell you this. This is, this is um, my warning. Number one is that when there's confusion in the camp, there's a counterfeit coming. Again, if I were the enemy of the Lord, I would cause enough confusion that then I could sweep in and be the God. So there's a counterfeit coming. Number two, the counterfeit's not going to last long. He can't last long. God's not going to allow him to deceive, especially his people. Uh, but number three... God loves you so much. He wants to be in that relationship with you. And so if you're not in that relationship with him, and if you're worried about times ahead, if you're worried about what's to come, if you're going, this world, you know, I'm not sure. Like, I want to love these people who have this mindset over here, but I really, like, I'm just, I don't know. Things are just kind of going haywire. Um, Understand that God has something for you. He He wants to be in a relationship with you. I just pray that you would want that relationship in return, that you would want to give that love in return to him too. And when you do, you guys, understand this. When you do, you're taking care of something internally. And as as we spread that gospel, uh, that internal gospel, that what's going to happen is we're cleaning, Jesus called it cleaning the inside of the cup versus the outside of the cup. You know, we could think about a coffee mug, for example. If you just clean the outside of the mug before you put coffee in it, then you've got everything from whatever's before. You've got all the elements, all the impurities, anything, because you didn't wash out the inside of the cup, you've got everything that was in it before in your coffee mug. And so when you take a drink of that new coffee that you put in, you're going to get a little bit of old crap an old crud, an impurity in it. And so over time, what's going to happen is your body's going to be filled with that impurity. And that's what Jesus said. You need to clean the inside of the cup. The outside will take care of itself. So you're looking at the world going, it's going hectic. It's going crazy out there. I don't know what to do with it out there. You know, um, I, I want to love these people out there. If you want to love these people, 
Then teach them how to clean the inside of the cup. And the inside of the cup involves a relationship with the Lord. Because the inside of the cup is very spiritual. Everything starts with the Spirit. And when you get that figured out, that everything starts with the Spirit, the inside, and you realize that it goes to the inside out. That's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. It's already done in the Spirit. Let it manifest now. Clean the inside of the cup and the rest won't take care of itself. That's the word that I have for you today. Um, and a little a little harder pill to swallow, but I pray that um, you will take it, ponder it, meditate on it, pray about it, if you will. Um, see what it does for you. See how God will speak to you in it if he hasn't already. Um, but just take it and, and, and go with it. But my, my, my hope for you is that you don't fall asleep. My hope for you is that um, you're not falling into a deep sleep, but that you would wake up. The Bible says, wake up, O sleeper. So wake up and understand what God really is after for you and with you. I love you. I hope to see you on a Sunday morning. I hope to see you at 930. If not there, Facebook Live and YouTube Live. I'm really sorry, but it seems like like I, we're trying to figure out why our internet was acting up so crazy. And we've had these real crazy glitches going on in the internet. And um, so we're trying to get that figured out. Um, we made some changes a while back and we're, we're kind of wondering if it's not affected this, uh, how this is acted out. But um, so we're trying to get that figured out, but hopefully we can see you on Facebook live or YouTube live. Uh, hopefully you'll come back next week for this podcast for the next episode in this podcast. And then also, shameless plug, if you want to jump over on YouTube, jump over to New Start Ministry with Jason Vandemark. That's my own personal channel um, for different thoughts and and discussion topics. And even if I feel like the Lord is telling me to release a word, then I will do that then too. So I love you, and I hope to see you on one of those platforms or in person. I would definitely love to see you in person too. And I pray that you have a good week this week and uh, that you would be blessed and that you would find the peace of the Lord, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen.